HVAC 360, episode number 18, Virtual CX. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of HVAC 360. I'm your host, Matt Nelson. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking to uh, Mark Walter, who is the principal and founder of Virtual Commissioning. Now, Mark is actually has a, uh, a very unique um, business strategy. Uh, really, he's kind of providing supplemental commissioning services to just about anybody, uh, whether or not you're a, a, a big uh, organization uh, that just needs a little bit of a, a stability managing the manpower, or a small, uh, a small uh, commissioning firm that just needs some uh, some help to uh, kind of uh, level some of the, uh, the the loads that they may have. So, I hope you enjoy the episode with Mark, and here we go. All right, today we're going to be talking with Mark Walter, who is the uh, principal and founder of Virtual Commissioning. How are you doing, Mark? Hey, good, man. How are you? I'm fantastic. Um, you know, I, I, tell me a little bit about your, your background here. Well, I've been in the air conditioning business since 73. I started out as a helper crawling under houses, putting in ductwork, and... Uh, you know, fairly quickly realized that wasn't the way I wanted to keep going. And so uh, once I graduated to addicts, <laughs> um, I eventually became a technician, then a project manager, controls tech project manager. And back in the uh, mid-90s, uh, got into commissioning. Um, along the way, in the world of commissioning, I worked for a large national commissioning firm. And... You know, I had a couple of interesting experiences that sort of opened my mind up to some possibilities that eventually led to the founding of virtual commissioning. Uh, one of them was that uh, I was doing a, a medium-sized hospital in Richmond, Virginia, a new hospital. And at the time, I had a pretty heavy project load, and we ended up subbing out uh, some of the work to a sub-consultant, a guy that uh, worked with the company I was working for on a subconsultant basis versus being an employee. And it's fellow by the name of Jim. And Jim ended up pretty much running that whole project. I was the project manager, but I would be brought in from time to time by Jim for the commissioning meetings. Uh, you know, anything that was kind of like trying to bring in uh, the PM. And over the course of the project, it just became so clear uh, what a great idea this was because as a PM, I had a guy under me that was running the job at a fixed cost. And when I compared that to a lot of other projects where we had uh, junior PMs, project engineers, and techs, uh, jobs would often go over budget. And i get down to the end of the project and be kind of scrambling as a how in the world we're going to finish this with no budget left. Whereas the project that had the subconsultant on it, 
I knew what my fees were going to be. We got to the end of the project, and the company I was working for had predicted uh, profit left over. And it just got me to thinking, man, I bet there's a lot of other guys that could benefit from an experience like this. At the, at the time, I wasn't thinking about uh, starting my own business. But it did plant a seed that eventually became, uh, uh, you know, the impetus for starting virtual commissioning. So I, I guess at what point did you decide, you know, hey, you know what, I've I've had enough, or uh, you know, I mean, was it was it a like one singular event, or was it just over a period of uh, a year that you decided to to you know start you know start your own thing? Well, I don't know. I don't know that there's any particular point, but uh, in combination with that that insight, um, there's another series of events that were that was happening simultaneously. When I when I started with that firm, the uh, that particular company kind of divided like so many companies do. They divided the uh, the uh, American territory up in areas, and the regional manager for that area had said when I first came on board, Mark, one of the problems that I'm having is that I've not learned how to effectively teach people to do test writing. I just have a real struggle with this. And what happens is I, I think that my staff knows how and some you know, uh, some test writing will come up. It will come across my desk for review, and I end up having to redo the whole thing myself. And we've really got to figure out how to do a better job of that. And, you know, I I was sort of tasked to, to help figure that out. And I thought it was kind of funny at the time because I had no idea how to do test writing either. Uh, and I think in retrospect, that was probably really good because, uh, because I was coming in so green. Uh, I found the best way, or I found over, you know, just the course of my life, the best way to you don't know how to do something, you just say, hey, I don't know, and, and not be ashamed to ask the dumb questions. So I started asking the dumb questions. And in the process, learned how to kind of break down test writing and get my test writing to the point that my boss said, hey, I see you get it. And eventually another person or two in that office started to learn uh, my boss's you know, way of writing tests. So, in the process of doing that, what I saw was, in terms of test writing, which commissioning has a lot of that, uh, there's kind of a light, medium, and heavy approach. Uh, light being a piece of paper with some checkboxes that says pass or fail, and heavy being the type of test that end up being used in data centers or in labs. Uh, where every nuance is tested and the the tests are poured over by committees before they're released uh, into use. And so, again, this was just another experience that I walked away from saying, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. And my boss was really struggling with how to get her staff improved. It took me a long time to kind of sort through it. And so there was just sort of a perfect storm of events that happened, at least in my mind, um, with respect to 
the, the concept of a better way of doing things. Virtual commissioning was founded not because I think commercial or virtual commissioning is better than anybody, but it was just founded on the principle that we can find better ways to do things if we sit down and kind of put our minds to it. Now, what sort of um, services do you provide uh, uh, as far as virtual commissioning goes? Well, the firm is a commissioning firm, but it, it, it was founded to help other commissioning firms. So roughly 90% of the company's customers are other commissioning firms. So in a sense, we're not competitors. We're, we provide a service, and the service that uh, virtual commissioning provides is kind of two or threefold. The first being that if a company uh, needs some test writing or documentation work done, things that you don't necessarily have to get on a plane or, or get in a car and go do, we provide those services. And the same same with regard to field testing. Uh, virtual commissioning can be seen as kind of a leveling tool. If your staff is overloaded or you've got too, too many projects going on right now, it's a leveling tool for personnel. But it's also a tool where uh, a guy goes, you know, I've had a lot of guys tell me this, Mark, I, I can write these tests, but I really don't want to or really don't have time to. And it's just it's great to find a firm that can kind of fill in that slot, and I don't have to worry about it. I can go about my business. So you know, there's two aspects to it, to help with labor, help with some of the more technical aspects of the documentation. And then finally, the third aspect, uh, which we moved into, uh, roughly two years ago, which is cloud-based commissioning. So now, if if somebody wanted to use your service, um, you know, how does how does the process work? If you, if you talk about, you know, I, I need uh, some uh, help writing these tests that you're talking about. What what's the what's the process they'd follow? Well, it's pretty simple. Um, we just provide a price like anybody does. We just look at the size of the job. And we kind of work several other ways with our clients. One is that we provide a firm quote. Secondly, sometimes the client will come back and say, hey, this is my budget, and, uh, you know, can you do it for a percentage of this? Uh, generally speaking, we approach a project in terms of what documentation are we going to provide. Are we going to provide design review, commissioning plan, we're going to write the test, do the final report, do the systems manual for the for the lead. Uh, which of those are, are are we providing or all of them? And then, so that's that's one question. And then the second question is, do you need us to do any labor out in the field? So I mean, do do people just you know once you once you have that agreement saying okay you know what I need a couple of tests a uh, systems manual maybe um, a commissioning plan um, I guess you just exchange documentation at that point in time and then you'll you'll you know you look at it and see if it's enough and, and and want more is that kind of the process and then once you get the whole thing compiled then you'll send it back for review 
I'm just trying to get, you know, well, just the yeah, yeah, well, that's that's generally how it happens. And you know, you're you're touching on an interesting point, which is how you exchange the information. You know, one of the key elements for virtual commissioning is something called cloud-based commissioning, and I'll define that in a moment. But I think you'll see the definition as I start to talk about it. What we first encountered when we wanted to exchange information was how do we do that physically? You know, the way guys typically do that is you exchange through email, but then attachment size becomes the limitation. Uh, FTP sites, um, costs can become a limitation. And so we started investigating the best way to do that. Do we use services like, um, I forget what they're called, uh, you know, where you, 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 you send files back and forth. And as we started looking into this, um, one of the things that started leaking out was when you're sending files back and forth, how do you organize that, particularly if it's a, a lot of files? And generally speaking, people do that with FTP sites. We ended up going in the direction of developing um, a concept of putting a project management site on the web, tailoring it to commissioning, and uploading and downloading all the documents there. And it was, at first, that, that was our one and only intention. It was something for just us and our customers. But as we looked into the uh, wide variety of software that's out and available on the cloud, it quickly became apparent that the tool that can be used to transfer files back and forth and to organize files can become you know, something else as well. And it didn't take us too long to start uh, realizing that we can actually manage commissioning projects on the web. And so this led us into the world of file-based commissioning. fascinating yeah you know i mean you know personally i know that you know the file transfer thing is a, is a big thing and how to organize it and if you you try to use a lot of um different content management systems um you know like your microsoft sharepoint and things like that um you know you might get the structure that you like but really to be able to manipulate files and transfer files it just it becomes very slow um so i know that i've i've had my own personal issues with uh, you know that 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 sharing back and forth Right, and so, you know, the, how do you share, and how do you share if you're a small firm? Because while on the one hand, some of our firms that we do work for are large firms, um, most of the, the work that we do are for smaller firms that don't necessarily have the, the same tools in place that the, the bigger guys do. And in fact, a lot of the bigger guys don't as well. And another thing sort of, started to emerge is that, hey, if we're starting to put our files on the web, what what exactly does that mean? Um, and like, you know, so many other companies uh, these days, we, we quickly tuned into the fact that if we have our files on the web, that means that any of us at any time can go in there and grab something uh, with any device. And so the, the next sort of logical um, evolution of our thinking was, well, 
what device? And this kind of led us into the world of using the iPad for testing. And that was kind of a, a, a mind-opening experience. Cloud-based commissioning has been around for a while. I, I recall maybe as long as 10 years ago coming across uh, a firm based in Maryland that had developed a uh, cloud, well, it wasn't so much cloud-based commissioning product, but a, a, a web-based commissioning product that uh, organized uh, files and you could write tests on it. But where the, the cloud recently has come into, uh, uh, let's call it clearer focus in the world of commissioning, it's just opening up the accessibility uh, of not just documentation, but how you commission. Uh, it's kind of, we find that uh, the cloud is stretching the envelope in terms of uh, making us think about how we're doing our work. Why do we ask questions like, why do we have to do it the way we've always done it? So it's, it's a challenge that's a challenge in a good way. So now, speaking of challenges, what, in the early days of, of, of virtual commissioning, what what were some of the, the biggest challenges that you saw? Well, putting aside the challenges of growing a small business, uh, the, the biggest challenge that I saw and still see is a willingness or lack of willingness to embrace new tools, and this this doesn't really have anything to do with our company. It just has to do with uh, an operating philosophy that new ideas and uh, new ways of doing things can bring, uh, you know, into your, our thinking. Okay. So... Now, typically, are, are most of the the, proje- uh, the products that you you send out to people are they uh, you know electronic formats that you're sharing back and forth? Do you ever send out hard copies or anything like that? What we generally do, Matt, is we'll we'll say in our proposals that everything that we do is electronic. We will send um, CDs or DVDs. We do not do paper documentation. Um, in the beginning, there was some reticence on the part of our customers and their customers to agree to that, mostly because people were just in the habit. But to be honest, it, it, it really doesn't take most people long to say, hey, I don't want paper copies because, you know, what happens to the paper copies if we make six or eight or ten volumes of a final commissioning report? These are documents that could be 100 pages long, 500, 1,000 pages long or more. And, you know, when that ends up going to the end customer, where does it go? It it ends up going into a a dusty room down in the basement. It's a document that no one ever reads. And so people quickly glommed on to uh, saying, yes, I only want electronic documents. And... You know, we're not in any way trying to take credit for that movement. I mean, we were sort of piggybacking on a movement that was already emerging within the construction industry. So um, to go from paper 
to electronic um, has been something that we found has been readily embraced, and I honestly can't remember the last time that we submitted a paper document. Now, now, as far as format goes, um, a lot of companies would have, you know, say, hey, you know, all my, all my forms, they look like this. Um, if they want to use your services, is, is it integratable or do you have your own forms? You kind of, you might be able to change the, you know, the, the, the header and the footer and that's about it. Or how, how do you go about, you know, customizing um, these documents, you know, uh, for your clients? Well, another good question, and it's one that uh, we had at the very beginning, and our first thought at the beginning was, uh, hey, we'll come in and when we do work for you, we'll just be like one of your staff. It'll be very seamless. So if we happen to go out in the field and do some field testing, if you want us to, we'll carry your business card with our name on it. And we'll, for all intents and purposes, we'll look like you. And we'll do the same thing with the documentation. Um, but what we quickly learned was that there's, a, you know, a thousand ways to build a box. And because there's a thousand ways doesn't mean that each way is the best way. And so what started to emerge was uh, a series of questions about what is the best document. So we were faced with two things. The first is it wasn't efficient for us to learn how to create documents the way and replicate exactly how our customers were was doing it. And secondly, that there was a um, an operating philosophy or a practical philosophy that our documents had to meet that in-house produced documents didn't necessarily have to meet. And here's what that was. If I produce a document for myself to go test an air handler, and I make it one page long, I can look at that document because I produced it. I understand my intent, um, no matter how cryptic the document gets. On the other hand, if I'm making it for you, I might not get away with a one-page document because maybe you've never done commissioning before, or maybe you have, but you're not used to doing it with somebody else's document. So we quickly realized that we had to make... Uh, documents that were repeatable, that somebody besides ourselves could go use, that they would intuitively understand. And and once the light bulb kind of went off in our mind about that, it was um, pretty simple to, to go to the next step and basically just tell our customers, hey, this is how we do it. Here's why we do it this way. And we're, we're open to any suggestions, and if there's some particular things that you want included, we'll be happy to do that. Generally speaking, I'd say well over 90% of the time, our customers have, have just said, hey, whatever you think, that's fine with us. And, and I'm including customers that range from a one-person firm to a 100-person you know, commissioning firm. Okay. Makes sense. Um, now, as, as far as, you know, a lot of the... Uh, a, a lot of times, I guess, commissioning agents will have specialties, like they've been exposed to, you know, whether they be, you know, schools or higher ed uh, or even uh, possibly, uh, you know, hospitals or other uh, data centers or things like that. Are there certain, I guess, uh, building types uh, that you specialize in, or is it just kind of all over the place? Well, uh, we all 
kind of gravitate toward our background. So uh, my background is controls. And when I uh, take a look at a, at a job, uh, I'm going to tend to lean toward my bias uh, if I'm going to review something. And in this case, it would be controls, where another commissioning agent may have an electrical background, know very little about controls. And so if they go to look at a job, they're just going to see electrical. And so, you know, we're commissioning is no different than uh, design firms, for example, in that we hopefully learn to recognize <laughs> recognize our biases and offset them. So what we do is um, when, when we find something that's uh, kind of coming up on our radar that we're not familiar with, if we have somebody on staff that can do that, great. If not, we just sub-consult it out. I think you'll find most commissioning firms, even rather large ones, do that. Most commissioning firms focus on HVAC. A few have uh, electrical folks on board. Very few have somebody structural on board. Um, that's qualified, for example, to check the building envelope. So on the occasion where a building envelope is in the scope, you know, that's tip most firms are going to go out and, and uh, hire a subconsultant to come in for that. Now, what I, I guess you bring up a, a good point. Most of you know, I, I think of most of the, the complicated systems and tests uh, being you know centered around the HVAC and HVAC systems. Uh, but when you get to electrical uh, and building envelope, obviously, I know that uh, I've heard rumors that uh, building envelope uh, is coming uh, going to be more online with the uh, the lead 2012 uh, edition. Um, but you know whether or not it shows up, it, it definitely is one of the areas that people are starting to look at um, to do more uh, commissioning. Um, so, are those some of the things that uh, that that you can handle as far as Tesco? Um, well, um, yes and no. There's as as new things kind of uh, creep into the scope. We're we're like everybody else. We'll just take a look at our current qualifications and our current library of tests and see if there's a fit. Then if not, we try to figure out, well, what do we do about that? Um, so, I mean, the, the quick answer is it, it depends. Okay. Uh, now, I guess uh, you have uh, the, the different products uh, that are on, uh, you know, online. You have the new, uh, I guess, the... Uh, um, uh, commissioning cloud, or uh, what was the, the the name of it? Well, we have a product that we call Virtual CX, which mm -hmm. is our cloud-based commissioning, and this is a website uh, that's a uh, project management website with a strong commissioning tilt. So here's what I mean by that: um, when we show up on a project and we show up for a commissioning kickoff meeting. One of the things that we do is we introduce this website and we just tell everybody, hey, here's somewhere you can upload and download documents. It's it's uh, password uh, protected and it's pretty intuitive. And we give a little five-minute demo and uh, see a lot of head shakes. And at the end of the kickoff meeting, we, we register everybody. And generally speaking, they start using it. Another thing that we do is we run the commissioning issues log 
off of that site as well. Historically, the uh, commissioning issues or deficiencies log has been run using uh, an Excel spreadsheet. There's been some variations, but typically that's how it's been done. And we're no longer doing that. We just have a, a, a section on the website where the, the issues are listed. The responsible party is assigned. Uh, we can assign dates and priorities. And then any member of the team can come in, review their issues. And here's the part that's kind of neat is we've enabled or empowered them to go ahead and close their own issues. One reason I say that's neat is that uh, the trend in the past has been that the commissioning authority or agent is the only person that closes an issue. Um, and this this departure that we're uh, supporting uh, from a somewhat traditional way of running an issues log uh, is kind of a microcosm of some of the advantages of web-based commissioning. Uh, to clarify that, when you run an Excel spreadsheet, whether it's as a commissioning issues log or a punch list, to get things closed, to get responses back from people, you either have to have meetings or send that spreadsheet out, get people to respond, and then somebody has to gather uh, the responses from a variety of sources and put those back into the source document and then redistribute it. That's a process that can take days and oftentimes weeks to kind of close the loop full circle on one one iteration. And then you have to do it again next month or the month after. We're compared to having a checklist online that the responsible party can go in and close their own issue as soon as they, they finish it. It takes no power or authority away from, quote, the commissioning authority because that person can always go and back check the closed issue. But what it does do is is give transparency to the whole team, A, because anybody at any time, including the owner, can go on the site and see what the issues are and what the status of them are. And B, it really speeds up the process. And by speeding up the process, it's not just that issues can be closed quicker. It's that it's just easier to use. Uh, somebody can be sitting on a train commuting and jump on their smartphone or iPad, and as long as they've got web access, they can go in there and hit a few checkboxes, and they've completed their task instead of having to go home at night and you know start their computer, open up an Excel spreadsheet, and type in responses. So one of the big advantages of any cloud-based tool, in my opinion, is its potential to save both time and money. Now, is this something that the companies can go and, and rebrand if they want to put their logo on there, or is it uh, it, it pretty much as is just a service that, that you're putting out there? It's a service that the default is our brand, but for our customers, uh, what we say on our website is, hey, if you give us work, we're going to give you the site for free for the duration of the project. We define the duration of the project being 12 months from substantial completion. So 
we'll run that site all the way through the warranty phase. And in that case, when we do provide it, we rebrand each project with our customer's logo. Excellent. So, and that's being pre- uh, received pretty well, I take it? Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, you, what, the, you know, our point isn't to put our name in front of uh, our customers' customers. Our point is to help make our customers successful. And so we have no problem with them saying, hey, Virtual CX is, you know, my product or, or it's a product that I support or I've got a licensing agreement with it. However they want to put that, that's up to them. But when their customers log in, uh, when their end users log in, when their contracting team and design team log in, what they see is the logo of ADC company uh, staring them in the face. So, so uh, what, what's next for uh, virtual commissioning? Next step for us is uh, just more efficient uh, uh, test forms. Um, this all sounds a bit a bit dry, but in in the world of commissioning, uh, these are things that can really take up a lot of time for commissioning staff and for commissioning team members. Is all that sort of behind the scenes uh, documentation. Uh, most people that aren't intimately familiar with commissioning look at it in terms of you know a man or woman showing up out in the field to do testing and hold a series of meetings. But there's just that, that's sort of the tip of the iceberg. There's just a mountain of documentation that goes on behind the scenes. And so one of our goals uh, since we moved uh, uh, into the cloud was to come up with some test forms that we could not only produce better, but would be easier for our clients to use. So one way that we're defining what makes a form easier I alluded to earlier is that it's simple, it's easy to understand, it's clear. Um, it, it, it can be uh, picked up by somebody who's not really familiar with maybe my forms. You could pick it up and go, hey, I see what Mark is talking about. But there's another aspect to it that we have not addressed yet that we're beginning to address, which is the actual filling out of the form. The way that people do that now is really two ways. The first way is print the test forms out and write on them in a notebook when you're in the field. At that point, that either becomes the record or the commissioning agent or technician will take the forms home or back to the office and they'll take the the chicken scratches on the paper and they'll transpose that back on into their computer. So they've, they've added a really big step by doing that, a lot of extra time to have to clean that up. The second way they do it is they just type it into the computer in the first place. That also takes a lot of time. It's, it's That slows you down in the field. It speeds you up on the back end, but it slows you down in the field because the team is now having to wait for somebody to type an input into a computer to find the, their place in a document, a test document that could be 200 pages long. So our thought is, what can we do to improve that and make that faster? And so instead of typing, can we optimize for iPads so that you can take your finger and just touch a checkbox that says pass or fail 
and a check will magically appear? The answer is, of course you can do that. So that's that's kind of our next thing is uh, we're hoping to, to release, uh, at least for ourselves, if not for our customers, um, a new generation of tests by the end of 2011. Excellent. Excellent. So... On a, on a different topic, I always love to uh, ask my interviewees um, just kind of uh, from your background, um, things that you've experienced in the past, a couple of lessons learned that you might pass on to our audience um, that you can, you know, whether uh, obviously commissioning would be a perfect example of, of things that you found that, um, you know, didn't go quite right or solutions that you've had to unique problems. Um, what What can you offer for us? Well... My, you know, my lessons learned uh, focus on the, the aspect of project management that um, is is not uh, always talked about, which is the, the more subjective and soft skill sides of project management. Um, I'll give you an example of what I mean. Uh, project management traditionally is because you know, using the tools and skills to get a job, to come in on time, under budget, and meet a certain quality level that the customer expects. But the softer skills, in my experience, the interpersonal skills are the ones that uh, come into play far more often. Um, I took a project management course one time from a gentleman by the name of Jim Lewis uh, out of Virginia. And Jim is widely recognized as one of the leading uh, trainers of project managers uh, around the nation, in fact, around the world. Um, Jim is trained with companies as large as Boeing and the train company down to, you know, small one- and two-man shops. And Jim maintains the same philosophy that 90-plus percent of what you do as a project manager has to do with the, those soft skills. And so my my story about that, uh, my example about that, is a typical commissioning meeting. When I first started doing commissioning, Matt, um, I came in like every other commissioning agent uh, to a commissioning kickoff meeting with a one- or 200-page document. Yeah, they weren't always that long. Some of them were 60 pages long, called a commissioning plan. And we would sit down in the kickoff meeting, and around the table would be some designers, the general contractor, owner representatives, and a bunch of subcontractors. And as soon as a commissioning person, in this case me, would sit down and say, well, we're here to go over the commissioning plan, everybody's eyes would glaze over. And they, whether they'd been through it or not, their eyes would glaze over, as mine would too in, their, in sitting in their chair, because it was just really boring stuff. And so, you know, I started to wonder, well, what is it that will keep that from happening, aside from not, not going over the commissioning plan? What is it that's causing the eyes to glaze over? It's not just the length of the document and the dryness of the material but it can also be the approach of the individual that's leading that commissioning team. Uh, commissioning people are, you know, fall into, you know, categories just like the 
general population. Um, you know, some of us are shy and some of us are more assertive. And, you know, in the world of commissioning, there was at least at one time a reputation that the commissioning people were kind of policemen. They, they're coming in to kind of put everybody in their place. And this, the sort of unspoken projection was, we're the guys that are here to protect the quality interest of the owner. Um, but my lesson learned is that we're not the guys that are there to protect the quality interest of the owner. Everybody sitting around that table is interested in that. And we're not coming in to point fingers. We're coming in to be part of the team. And so it's a it's an it's an approach that has less to do with personality and more to do with empowering everybody to be successful. Excellent, excellent. All right. Um, so if anybody is interested in you know, procuring your, your services, what, what's the best and easiest way uh, to go about that? Is that just uh, you know, visiting the website or a number to call? Or, or, um, yeah, the best way would just be to go to the website, uh, virtualcx.com, uh, check out what the firm has to offer, see if there's a potential match. If there is, there's a contact form there and uh, just fill out the contact form. Okay. Is there any easy way that is, is typically, is there any small way that people can get involved to kind of, you know, get a taste of your services, uh, um, you know, just to, just to see how they're, what they're like? Well, one of the, well, yeah, there is. Of course, you can, you can just try some stuff out. You, we have sample documents we can send folks. We also, um, run the largest commissioning blog in the United States. So there are hundreds of articles on our site about commissioning. There are hundreds of um, links uh, to uh, 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 articles that other people have written and resources. So it's it can be a really good site to go to to kind of delve into what's happening in the world of commissioning. We also have a very active Twitter feed, probably the most active um, in terms of commissioning anywhere in the world. So if you want to find out more about commissioning, that's one way to do it. If you want to find more about us, you know, we've got some sample documents on the site. They're kind of scaled back. But if somebody says, hey, can I just see something a little more robust than that, we're happy to send it to them. Okay. And your Twitter handle is uh, virtualcx? It's Virtual CX. Perfect. All right, Mark. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, sit down and talk with us a little bit about more about the virtual commissioning and Virtual CX, and uh, uh, I uh, greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Matt, and thank you for your interest. And we're back. All right. Well, you know what? I really, again, want to extend a Thank you to Mark taking his time uh, out of his schedule to talk to us today. I think it's really a fascinating, uh, fascinating company. Ever since I saw it and kind of you know wanted to know more about it, I always thought that it was a very, very unique uh, way to go to market. You know, a commissioning is such a uh, you know a process-heavy uh, uh, business, 
and I think Mark has really found a great niche to be able to provide those supplemental services uh, to a wide variety of clients. So, again, uh, thanks to Mark, and thank you for listening. Uh, I appreciate each and every one of you. It's a, a great pleasure to be able to do these uh, episodes for you and to have you enjoy them and uh, uh, to, be able to, to be able to see that uh, you know, there's, there's uh, a lot of people out there listening to this podcast. So uh, I appreciate each and every one of you. And again, like I say before, every single time, is that you are very special. Uh, you are uh, great in what you're doing. Uh, you are doing the right things in constantly learning, and I'm just happy to provide uh, an additional outlet for you to be able to learn and to be able to um, just basically have content that's specifically designed for for you. So that's pretty much it. If uh, you liked the episode or you thought it was interesting, you know you can let me know at uh, matt at buildingx.co. Or you can follow me on uh, Twitter and just uh, you can direct message me there. Uh, my handle is Building X. Uh, also, uh, you can uh, go and drop a comment uh, or a suggestion or give me feedback uh, on my blog at buildingx.co. So, that's it for this week. There's more to come next week. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's getting exciting here, and we've managed to do this for uh, a number of episodes now. So we got about uh, six or seven down on the new format, and we're just rolling with it. So I'm glad that uh, we're keeping the momentum going, and we're issuing them uh, every Sunday night, uh, thereabouts, uh, to be able to get it out to you every weekday, uh, or every week, I should say. Um, and uh, we'll just keep on doing that. And uh, so until next time, remember, know what you build and share what you know. <laughs>